Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard the TV Pilot's License, flight number 69, with service to the prestigious New York law firm of Pearson and Hartman. We ask that you please fasten your headphones, secure your podcasting device, and remember, on today's flight, the dress code is suits. If you do not have a suit or wardrobe you think is appropriate, please notify your flight attendant immediately. Welcome to the TV Pilot's License. My name is Jeff Kerbis, joined by Rich Inman and Max Singer. How are you boys doing today? I'm so good. I want a counter on the bottom of the video for how many times we say the word suit today. <laughs> <Really>. <laughs> also, Jeff, thank you so much for wearing your mask. I know you're a little under the weather on this flight. Oh, yeah. No, I, I definitely have the entire third of the plane uh, sanctioned off uh, with duct tape and, you know, cling wrap, all the fun things. Hey, Jeff, if we're wearing suits today's flight, could I also, uh, could I also smoke? <laughs> yeah, I mean, why not? That feels very appropriate. We're not doing Mad Men, but I mean, it, nothing looks sexier than a man in a full suit smoking a cigarette elegantly. Um, Here, so Here's a, a real uh, aviation gripe for our aviation-centered podcast. Why can't you vape on planes? What's gonna What's gonna happen? What What What's gonna happen? Our Gen Z expert Richard Edmund wants to know <laughs> start, why can't you vape on planes? Take your listen. If you're listening right now, take your Elf Bar, go get on your nearest flight, and just uh, just like start smoking it up in your seat because Can there is say, no I, reason. I'm so relieved we're past the holiday season. I saw someone smoking a hot fudge flavored vape pen nope, like nope. right before Christmas time. <laughs> uh, that's some real Augustus gloop shit. This is where I find out that this podcast episode isn't sponsored, but you two are pocketing big vape money. Like, <laughs> yeah, we're getting, the- we're getting the Wonka bucks, baby. <laughs> oh my god. Um, oh yeah, no, I really do want Timothy Chalamet in the new Willy Wonka to pull out a vape and just like, it very much just says a brand right on the side and it's not Wonka. Boy, there's a story that really needed to be told again. (laughs) (laughs) Well, boys, this week we are diving into a little bit of a renaissance of a phenomenon, which is suits. Um, but before we dive in, Max, do you mind telling folks what this podcast is all about? Here at TV Pilot's License, we break down and analyze the pilot episodes of some of TV's most famous, or in some cases, infamous shows. We learn a little bit more about how these shows came to be and were originally made, if they're effective pilot episodes and make us want to watch more, and if we think they can be made today. Go back and stream our old episodes wherever you get podcasts from. Check us out on YouTube to see our smiling faces. And if it's your first time flying with us because you just searched Suits on TikTok, then welcome aboard. (laughs) And Rich, what is your question of the week? Uh, So I would love to know because, uh, you know, I'm wondering how much of the resurgence of this show is due to one of the cast members joining the royal family since the show's been on. Um, You can't say that for a lot of shows and and their popularity, but here's uh, this one got the British royal family bump. I would love to know what actor would you want to see be part of the British royal family? Okay, I have two answers. Uh, Both of them are non-serious answers. Uh, first, Stanley Tucci. I want Stanley Tucci <laughs> right in there. Um, I I think that he would be great. I think he'd fit right in. He's trying in to move Buckingham honesty. Palace to Italy. Oh, hundred percent. He's he's definitely bringing new culture cuisine um, to that family. But then I have another answer that I just thought about, um, and that's Sam Richardson uh, from oh. I Think You Should Leave. <laughs> yes, I think Sam Richardson. <laughs> And I, I also, if you, have not, if you have not watched the Detroiters, fantastic show where 
Richardson stars in it a little bit more and like truly shines in that show. But I, I would die to see the meeting of like Sam Richardson and the King uh, in this <laughs> instance, because I think he would definitely be like, yo, what's up? Try to dap him up. Maybe talk about his love for the Detroit lions. And then the King just be baffled. That is, is there... Emmy Award winner Sam Richardson to you at home. That's right. Yeah, uh, that's the that's the American version of Sir. Um, I do want to know what Sam Richardson role would be best for him to be in the British royal family. Is it Richard Richard Spleth? Or, is, that's his name, right? Uh, in Veep? Um, yeah, yeah uh, Spleth, yeah. Spleth. Um, is it the uh, the eccentric nigerian billionaire from uh from ted lasso is it uh is it his detroiters character i don't i don't know i i just want all of them uh also steve buscemi was a thought in my mind as well because that would low-key be wonderful um max what about you well as we all know the uh the british uh they say words funny they they say words in a way that <laughs> You just can't possibly think someone would look at a word and pronounce it, and someone you have else. A British who, person in your immediate family, <laughs> and someone else who I have the utmost respect for looking at words and pronouncing them in ways that I just cannot fathom another human being pronouncing them is Adam Driver, the pride of Mishawaka, oh, Indiana. Interesting. Uh, our our large American king, and yeah, I just want to see the the driver pronunciation of words coupled with the British pronunciation of words and invented entire new sect of the English language. I would have bet money that you were going to say Matt Barry right there. Ooh, that would have been a good choice. Right, too. But, but, oh, I mean, I guess I was trying to think of an American actor. When you originally posed this question and I texted you asking if people who played themselves in movies were eligible for this question, because my first answer was going to be Guy Fieri. Is a rule. Well, he he that is British uh, royals are not supposed to officially drive a themselves. prince of Flavortown. They're supposed to be chauffeured everywhere. But Fieri, he's the bad boy of the monarchy. He would break that rule. Be rolling out in the Camaro still. <laughs> awesome. Yo, these peas are off the chain. Oh my god, Rich, what about you? Uh, so I just thought of like, and I know this might be too easy of an answer because she's literally in the crown. Um, but I would love to see Helena Bonham Carter as her like insane self. Be part of the actual British royal family, not her as I forget which part of the family it was uh, in the crown. But I would really, really love to see her just being like a friggin weirdo uh, it, like with all of them it being extremely posh. I want to I want a, a freaky goth girl in the in the British royal family. I mean, I'm down with that. We can <laughs> we can bring it back to Elizabethan times. Um, well, Rich, thank you for that awesome question. Um Let's dive into Suits a little bit more, and let's start off with a quick synopsis. On the run from a drug deal gone bad, brilliant college dropout Mike Ross finds himself working for Harvey Specter, one of New York City's best lawyers. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Max, what went into making this show? So today we're talking about the pilot episode of Suits, just simply titled Pilot, which aired on June 23rd, 2011 on USA. Characters welcome. And we're going to be talking about creator and showrunner Aaron Korsh. Uh, so Korsh's story begins with him working as an investment banker on Wall Street before moving to L.A. Not with the ambitions of television necessarily, but just to get out of New York City. Hey, who could blame him? Yep. Uh, through some writer friends, he's able to get an assistant job. It spends eight years working as a writer's assistant before finally getting a chance to work in a room as a writer. 
Uh, course is staffed on a variety of 30-minute uh, sitcoms, including Everybody Loves Raymond, Just Shoot Me, and Notes from the Underbelly. When Notes from the Underbelly gets canceled at NBC during the 07-08 writer's strike, he begins work on a pilot of his own, a, quote, half-hour entourage type based on my experience working on Wall Street. Uh, just some real guys oh. being dude shit right there. Oh, man. Just some real dudes rock. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure every single person at some point who is an aspiring writer has pitched something called entourage-esque or entourage yeah. type. What, what, if we, what if we made Wall Street but with no message? Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, here's a million dollars. So over time and through pitching the show around town, this half-hour financial dramedy evolves into an hour-long legal show titled A Legal Mind. It ends up at USA with Dove Lyman's hypnotic producing. Uh, Lyman, of course, having worked on films like Swiggers, The Board Identity, and Mr. and Mrs. Smith, as well as shows like The O.C. And USA really invests in the show. This is the peak of what the network refers to as their blue sky era. These really like optimistic character driven morality based good guy procedurals, things like this Royal Pains, psych uh, USA then kind of pivots into edgier TV to try and get onto the whole like prestige TV bandwagon. And they kind of fail to find any success apart from Mr. Robot. And now they don't produce any original scripted series whatsoever. Um, which oh, well. kind of feels like the end of an era for people who grew up watching these shows all the time in a block, stuff like uh, White Collar, Mug, Psych, all of that. Mm -hmm. uh, they filmed the pilot on location in New York City, although subsequent production for the entire series shifts to Toronto for tax purposes, and they hold a public screening of the pilot at Hudson River Park. This pilot is also jam-packed. If you watch the show on Netflix, there are deleted scenes from mm -hmm. the original aired USA pilot that have made their way back into the subsequent broadcasts of it. Oh. So you are getting so much more. And if we talk about a scene or a character that perhaps you're like, I don't remember doing this, go back and rewatch it on Netflix like everyone else in America, apparently. Would, would you say that like it went from a two-piece suit to adding more to it. a three-piece suit? Damn it. <laughs> it really oh. tied it all together. Uh so Max, that was a wonderful history of the show. And let's dive into the show. And I think we're doing this show a little bit of an injustice if we don't talk about how wild of a phenomenon it's become recently. Because it's not anything new, right? Like we said it debuted in 2011. It stopped filming in 2019. That was when the last season came up. Um, but this show has just exploded in the zeitgeist. And I feel like everyone's just talking about soups. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, to, to Rich's point, there's obviously the, the Meghan Markle of it all. And, you know, of course, they're putting her on like the, the Netflix poster card for it. But I guess the, the most background is spring of last year. There is a super viral TikTok featuring a scene from the pilot episode of the show. And in July, in the midst of all the strikes, Netflix drops the entire show at once and it breaks all of these streaming records. It becomes the single biggest Nielsen streaming record in history, uh, according to their rating system. And that only applies to people who watch it on TV, not even your laptop and tablet viewers. And it's, it's crazy that younger viewers, like younger millennials and Gen Z TV watchers went nuts over this like, procedural soap opera. Um, yeah. 
And, and I don't know if it's just the fact that it's such a hard left from peak TV and miniseries and these kind of 10 hour movies that we're getting fed mm-hmm. as TV shows right now. Um, I don't know if we're going to see a huge boost in people going to law school amongst Gen Z because of it. <laughs> I, I don't know if you guys have thoughts of just like, why suits? <laughs> I mean, I wanted to be a doctor once I saw Scrubs, but I ha- I truly have no idea. And I'm I'm super curious to know, like, do you think this is entirely just TikTok? Is it like, is it the quality of the show? I don't know what event over the last like couple months would have triggered like a massive just binge watch for people. Gen Z wants two things. They want universal healthcare and they want TV shows universal. that are 26 they want episodes. They, they want 26 episode seasons of TV shows that feature multiple holiday episodes in them and self-contained <laughs> plots. <laughs> so one of the things that I think might be a reason, right, is Max, you mentioned the entourage of it all, right? And I almost see it, and I want to dive into the show and what we watch. I almost see this as like an updated entourage of sorts in the idea of like, we see the bro culture sort of thing that is um, being used. We have just good enough acting and it's not on HBO, it's on cable. So that's something that's accessible. But from a streaming perspective, if we look at how quick and witty and snappy some of the dialogue that's used throughout this, then it's appealing to all of the ADHD brains that are out there that can't stick with something for longer than, you know, 10 to 15 yeah, seconds. Yeah, I don't know if it's quite laundry folding, but I did read an interview with Netflix's global head of television, Bella Baharia, and she talked about like what makes the perfect Netflix show, and she described it as a gourmet cheeseburger. It's things that are premium and commercial at the same time, and listen... Oh, wow. We, we live in a society where you could go to a restaurant in any major city, a really highfalutin upscale joint, and you could do the tasting menu and you could be challenged. But they've also got a really freaking good cheeseburger on the menu now. <laughs> and and listen, I used, I used to scoff at the cheeseburger at the expensive restaurant. But sometimes you just really got to dive sometimes into you want the a cheeseburger. cheeseburger. Yeah, then we're, then we're getting the horse's cheeseburger. I, I know. Uh, I, from watching this, like, if that's the case, like the next thing that's up is Sorkin, because I know uh, some Sorkin show is going to get some massive rewatch on Netflix then if that's the, because it is like Sorkin shows do like make you feel like a bit of comfort and also have like extremely rapid dialogue that I think would be okay for people with ADHD if that's what we're getting at. But I, I, I still don't quite understand from her perspective, like why specifically this show, unless it's just TikTok, because they have other shows like this. They also are the company that famously paid like what seven hundred million dollars for the rights to Friends. That didn't have the biggest rewatch numbers. There's also, um, yeah, I, I just like it, it. It's a little confounding to me. And they are the company that famously made the like the first algorithmic show period for a streamer network with uh, um, with House of Cards. That was like that was based entirely on sales numbers from their DVD mailing service. That that entire show. Uh, I mean, it was 
picked up from an, an, a BBC yeah. show. I was going to say, it's, it's but, a yeah. BBC series yeah. based on a Shakespearean play, but that's besides yeah. the point. <laughs> but, but the reason they did it was because it hit a lot of their, uh, checked a lot of their boxes from their DVD sales. They knew it would perform well. So, you know, I think that one of the things that we have to talk about when it comes to the show, and, you know, when it comes to the USA Network, characters are welcome. Characters are um, welcome. So, yeah. Okay. So People are saying it. So let's <laughs> They've been about, saying it. So let's talk about some of our characters in this instance. <laughs> and the first one that we really meet is one of our protagonists, sort of, maybe, which is Harvey Specter, uh, who is, quote unquote, the best closer in New York. Um, and this is when I... While Mariana am, Rivera was there. Insane. And they even had the gall to put in like a New York Yankees joke about not paying their closer nearly as much as they pay Harvey Specter in this pilot. And like you have this insane sequence where he basically blackmails a man and then he's like, you already paid us. Fuck you. We're done. <clears throat> Har- Harvey Specter's got me going full cheeseburger. I'm not going to lie. I, <laughs> I am such a sucker for getting intro to a character by someone else saying like, no, get me Harvey Specter. We need him here. I love the full like Olivia Pope of it all. Yeah. Where we just, we put this person on a pedestal before we meet them. And then the first time we see them, they're just playing like illegal backroom poker. Like I, I'm, <laughs> I'm fucking sold on this guy. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't need, I don't need to like him. He's cool as hell. <laughs> yeah. And I know that like, I know eventually you get to, it gets revealed that like, he is like the good guy, I guess. Like, you know, where they're going to, what they're trying to do here is that they're just, they're doing what a lot of TV shows do. They're, they're over explaining their competency. He is an incredible lawyer. You learn immediately from the poker game that they're playing, that he is a really good liar. He bluffs the guy that he is trying to blackmail essentially. And you know, that does, not work out for him in the end, which I thought was hilarious that this beautiful scene of like trying to explain how good he is ends up like shooting him in the foot. Um, but yeah, I mean like they do a great job of explaining specifically how good of a lawyer he is, how good he is at the intangibles of his job that aren't necessarily based on the law. Yeah. The first three things we see, see Harvey Specter do are play illegal games of cards bluff his way into getting a negotiation deal with a high profile client and sleep with a cocktail waitress. It's the, yeah. it's the law version of like being a, like a renegade cop that can't stop like destroying buildings and cars. It's like, it, it's like, I hate, I hate how much expensive you are, uh, but you get the, you get results. Your it, gavel on my desk. It, <laughs> they don't carry gavels. <laughs> Oh my god. Um, oh Jesus. Rich, it, it's sort of one of the tropes <laughs> it reminds me of is the idea of like the hero that's forgotten its past, right? Um because you have this idea of this man who has found so much success almost has um lost all sense of, you know, how hard it is maybe to be successful in this world because they are just so good at what they do and they're so empowered by everyone who is around them it seems even and i will we'll talk about donna in a bit because i think that character is just so important in this but for the most part they're put on a pedestal and they've forgotten while they're able to do these amazing things they can sometimes cut corners uh, and be almost too ruthless with what the things they do 
are. Um, also, just shout out to Gina Torres, who is in this show and absolutely dominates every scene that she is Truly. in uh, as Jessica Pearson. Like, low key, um, I think that having as strong of an actress as Gina Torres to be sort of that figurehead mm-hmm. in this moment of like, hey, these we have those rule setters when with every pilot that we're in. Gina Torres acts as that rule setter of you aren't a god. I'm the god in this situation. I decree what the rules are and why you aren't at the top of the mountain. Um, and we also get to see Rick Hoffman as Lewis Lit. And we're, we're going to talk about Lewis a lot. But holy shit. I, I, this cast automatically from the first couple of scenes, I'm like, okay, cool. We, we, we've written something great. We have actors committing to these roles, and I'm intrigued by this for, well, for the most part. We've written something. Let's let's keep they, going. <laughs> they they really do make Lewis let very visibly the antagonist the entire time. He not only does he like not smile the entire episode, he does not change his face from a frown or a scowl to a normal face the entire episode. Every they, single they weren't scene. brave enough to let a uh, a kind of weird looking dude play a protagonist. They got to make him a villain. Um, uh, weird, weird looking actors deserve to be protagonists. Yeah, I, I couldn't shout agree to Paul more. Giamatti. Yeah, Steve Buscemi. Um, we love you both. Um, so let's move forward a little bit because talking about a rebel, um, we meet our true protagonist of the show in Mike Ross. And we're introduced to him in the sense that he is taking the LSAT in disguise. We know something's off because the proctor of the exam recognizes him somehow. And then we find out very quickly he took the exam for someone, for Mm -hmm. cash. And then it appears that his best friend is a drug dealer in a suit. Does Uh, anyone else get uncomfortable by a really brightly colored logo-less hat? Yeah, there's never there's never been one sold that wasn't for nefarious purposes. Because there's, well, like, like, there's the there's the Kendall Roy like dark logoless like quiet luxury cap, but when it's like I don't bright know, that blue, still looks evil. When it's bright blue, when it is like so bright blue, and there's no logo on it, it feels like you just went into lids and took one of the customizable <laughs> caps, but left with it before getting it done. So yeah. Max, to to your movie. to your point, I recognize those hats is ones that are worn by superheroes who are in disguise. And we soon come to find out that Mike Ross sort of is a superhero because he has a super level of photographic memory uh, that he uses poorly. Uh, Let's just say that he uses it the worst way possible because if you have that level of intelligence, you hypothetically should be running the world in some shape or form or just killing it in Vegas I, I don't know why you've begotten yourself with going down the hill of trying to cheat for people on the LSATs. Rich, what about you? What are your thoughts on Mike when we first meet him? Yeah, another another case of like someone being like superhumanly competent of being I mean, th- this skill set could transfer over to lit- literally anything, like you said, like he could go on Jeopardy and just clean house for of like for four straight yeah. months or you know, it, the fact that he used it to he use like super intelligence and also like I the, the plot hole in this is that like, oh, he really could have used this for anything and didn't until he met Harvey Specter, like on accident. Like that really was it. Like 
there's no explanation that like, oh yeah, his skill set really didn't transfer beyond blah. He could have really done anything. And yeah, it just seemed a little seemed a little strange that like yeah. no opportunities came to him. So yeah, yeah, except for Harvey Specter. But Rich, his best friend is a drug dealer. He's holding him down. How else <laughs> how else could he have gotten out from underneath the grasps right. of friendship? Yeah, th- this I'm gonna screw it. The show couldn't be made today because uh, weed's legal in New York now. <laughs> yeah, no, that guy's fucked. He's oh, he is penniless. And and I'm gonna I'm gonna state this really like really quickly right now. Uh, my brother is maybe the biggest fan of the show. If this is the biggest, if this is like the the highest streaming totals the first week, Peter Inman probably accounts for like a third of them. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, I really. He did mention too that it's like maybe it's the fact that it's a USA show or like I mean this is on at the same time as Breaking Bad but like they don't they don't throughout the entire length of the show progress beyond weed as like the most like heinous thing that you can sell and it's just like it's such a strange thing because they treat it like black tar heroin it's oh, 100% not, <laughs> it is I mean it, I mean the man had New a York suitcase. is like and like 2021 or 2011 or whenever this takes place, like I think like not recreational usage was legal, but like medical usage was legal in, in New York and no one's dropping 25 grand on some weed. But briefcases full of it are very illegal, according to the USA Network. Apparently that's that's intent to sell, but fancily. So let's move our plot up forward a little bit in this instance. In the sense that we find out that Harvey is up for senior partner. He has to hire an associate. Uh, they only hired from, they only hire from Harvard Law in this instance. And they are doing this big set of interviews to find someone that's like Harvey in this instance. Like that is, that's the idea. We don't want just a normal stiff. We want someone who brings your sort of energy. Um, and at the same and time, Mike. And there comes in the clip that made it. Viral on exactly. TikTok. Yeah, this exact one. We're going to this viral clip because Mike Ross is needs cash. His grandma's sick, uh, and he needs twenty five thousand dollars quick. He's going to do a drug deal for his friend. Turns out it's going to be a police bust, and then we get that viral clip on TikTok where Harvey and Mike get to meet for the first time. Any thoughts on just this sequence of events in the hotel room? Um, Mike's reasoning for why he recognized that it was a drug bust, which was absolutely bonkers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really showing the photographic memory, Mike's able to identify that the guy trying to get into a hotel room dressed as a bellhop isn't wearing gloves like everyone else in the building is. Um, and then, of course, he gets the guy to check his watch, revealing the gun, so he knows that there's like a setup happening here. We get this super fun chase scene through like the back stairwells of a hotel. And I love that this entire plot and its inciting incident really hinges on mistaken identity and basically this guy kind of being an asshole to you know everyone else in the room and that gets him in the room i mean white men am i right but um (laughs) it, it is it is super fun it is high stakes it is campy it is soapy it feels like it's hanging by a thread and that's why it works um and it's it just it's it's super fun. Like it, I, I, you don't expect to get, I don't know, a, a chase scene in like an office dramedy. And it just, it, it, it adds a whole other element to it. That's super fun. And very like Doug Lyman of it all too. 
Yeah, there's it's it is a it's a broy TV meet cute basically this this viral yeah. scene. It's a great and, and I actually I do like their use of the essentially Sherlock like reasoning behind like oh these people are not who they say they are. This person's clearly a cop. This person has a gun on it. I'm like I'm gonna make him do that because until that point you really don't see his capabilities beyond book smartness and like the memory and stuff like that. And this gives him an ability to exist beyond the like it it almost takes his skills to another level where he can like he's insanely like superhumanly perceptual and and or perceptive and he can really like uh and he can prove himself in that way too uh otherwise it's just like yeah he knows the law real good it, it, the actual harvey mike like back room meeting for the first time could you think of anything more obnoxious to be around in real life than two dudes having a law off oh god <laughs> it's it, I, it's I a law it's, it's a law off it's one of those things we're watching this i think there was an important scene in the idea of like we're proving the powers mm-hmm. right because like at first we're like oh he knows the law then we're like oh he knows everything like he touches a book and absorbs all of its knowledge and then we get the extended like idea of his powers by watching him go to Harvard and like dupe one guy out of doing interviews so that he could get a spot in a tour, which was just like, I would not be surprised if that was a deleted scene in all honesty. Um, I I know one of the other ones and we'll talk about that in a little bit, Mm. uh, maybe in the history of the show, but It's just one of those things where we need to prove this guy's expertise. I almost call this show like a reverse limitless in the idea that Harvey tells him immediately. He's like, hey, I know you smoke pot. Stop smoking pot. We drug test. And suddenly this guy's boundaries are, you know, disappear and he's able to do anything with his abilities whatsoever. God, Howlin' for You by the Black Keys is such a 2011 montage song. (laughs) The, the uh, music in this show genuinely was off-putting to me. Like, they, there were <laughs> there were instances in this show where I was just like, oh, I can't watch it anymore. Because, like, you hear this, like, it, it's genuinely just some guy doing some piano beats or something like that in the background. And I'm like, what the fuck is happening it, right now? We piano, don't need this. piano beats and, like, K-Rock, like, greatest hits kind of stuff. It's, it's just, it's so bland radio rock. <laughs> Do you think it was because this is the pilot and they just didn't invest in it quite yet? Is is it like they're like we don't want to drop too much on music royalties? I think it's if we just safe. I don't think USA Network is trying to do any sort of like cutting edge like record scratches or like needle drops in here. I think it's just mainstream bands like these airborne toxic uh, airborne toxic event and the Black Keys for like their big pivotal music cues in here it's like I, i'm not getting anything from that oh uh, one person went to bonnaroo once oh there is a, there is a great vampire weekend record drop i'll give him that someone's uh, nephew definitely got a new keyboard and was like i have the band <laughs> feature um give me 20 minutes and i got your backing for your pilot um <laughs> so mike joins this law firm and we meet two very important characters or we get a little bit of a bigger display of these characters um one is the duchess herself rachel zane aka Meghan markle um and i forgot about this scene because i have spoiler alert boys watched this pilot before and i, I could have told you that <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> yeah, it, it tracks. Um, so watching the scene, meeting Meghan Markle's character, we're immediately sort of told like, oh, this is the love interest in this pilot. Like it's going to happen eventually um, just based off of how they're written. But did you find the chemistry lacking at least initially? Because it seems so forced as a whole. Definitely. They, the over presumption of the people getting hit on thing that he, that she brought up immediately. And also his heart didn't really seem to be in it. It was, it just felt like kind of like, like they got forced to do that scene a little bit. It just did not feel genuine at all. Like the, the flirtiness of it also, like maybe we got spoiled with doing the X-Files pilot, but stop making every man and woman on screen fall in love with each other. It doesn't have to be that thing. Like, you know, what they could have done was just like, you know, it's competency and unlearning misogyny for, for Mike. That is, that's really all that character had to be. This is an 82 minute pilot. We could have cut storylines out. There's like 20 something episodes in this season. We we could have started to tease yeah. the beginning sparks of a romance in episode two or three and been totally fine. Yeah. This, this screams like network note to me. Like I doesn't, it seems pretty out of place. Like no, no other, a man and woman like character on screen really had like a romantic feeling to it quite yet. I mean, and... Harvey and the cocktail waitress, Lisa, but well, sure. <laughs> uh, that was uh, and, and obviously, part. and obviously they end up getting married and, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it just like, it seemed a little ham fisted. They didn't need to do that. They could have easily saved that for when the series started to flounder a little bit in the writer's room in like season four or something like that. Ah, I don't make a kiss. Yeah, <laughs> we we also uh, get to know in a little bit more depth uh, Donna Paulson, played by Sarah Rafferty. Mm-hmm. And this is our, it seems like, almost a cliche when we're talking about, like, the 2010s, like, pilot writing of having that snappy assistant who mm-hmm. isn't, like, who doesn't just lay down but might even be, like, treated as an equal despite their title as a whole, and I think that Sarah Rafferty kills it. In all honesty, I the love only the only other comparison I know is Mad Men, and that's so funny to me because I know this. There are so of. many things where it's just like eh, <laughs> this is Mad Men. Yeah, this <laughs> <laughs> Mad Men not advertising for law, um, but I as we go forward, we sort of get the idea of like, okay, this is going to be Mike's day to day. We get introduced to our quote unquote crime of the week or case of the week and that it's going to be a pro bono sexual harassment case um, that, you know, Harvey was given very specifically, but then just pawns off to Mike as a punishment, go deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. We should say it's that as a punishment, Harvey gets caught uh, through that, uh, that evil rat Lewis lit that he was lying to a client about information he had. He gets stripped temporarily or permanently of senior partnership, and he has to like work his way back up, earn the trust of the firm, and do this pro bono case. Um, and then and also yeah, we, blackmailing we this, like, his boss in the way. <laughs> we get this big like going up against the big corporate sexual harassment case uh, with this woman Nancy, played excellently by Dagmara Dominicic, who plays Carolina on Secession, one of two major Secession players who make appearances in this pilot. I was super excited about that. Um, I I need to talk about oh, the no. company that Nancy works for. Oh, okay. Because Nancy 
is filing a sexual harassment case against her boss at Devlin McGregor. Wait, which is the pharmaceutical firm from the movie The Fugitive starring Lord. You switched the That's sample. Amazing. You switched the sample. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, my friend and esteemed colleague, Dr. Richard Campbell. <laughs> yeah, Nancy, Nancy works for, for the Provasic company from The Fugitive. Oh, my God. I didn't even notice that. That's amazing. <laughs> I completely missed that. That's amazing. Uh, that's so funny. Well, because, uh, you know, Max, you put in our group chat that uh, that there is a reference in there that was basically a stop the presses. We need to talk about this reference. And I thought it was uh, Mike on the Harvard campus referencing Dean Wormer, who is the dean from uh, Animal House. And I really, and they just like, apparently that is like a really big thread in the show. They just keep coming back with like more and more references to old, uh, old movies and stuff like that. But that is a truly hilarious. No, I had to talk that. about Dr. Richard Kimball and the fugitive. <laughs> That's absolutely wild. Kimball. Um, so I think that having this case be the first one is a really interesting way of showing that while Mike has this superpower, he is inexperienced. He has no idea what he's doing, right? And we get this important scene of, hey, we get a montage of him working with Rachel in this, one of the most beautiful libraries I have ever seen in my life. Um, I want to know where that is, but they have this cute scene where it's like, oh, let's get Chinese food. No, the company's paying for it. Let's get sushi. And like all of this only to realize like, hey, here's how we're, going to try this case even though harvey probably could have solved it in a couple minutes because he also has a superpower it seems like and as a screenwriting note here too the fact that they made the focus of the case of the week on the sexual harassment suit up until this point this was very high level elitism uh law or like like legal firm and and action you do not like if Every case was just going to be this millionaire needs defending over something, you know, uh, you would have lost the entire audience by like episode three. But if they didn't have this like, oh, we're actually going to take a case that really helps like the person who's downtrodden and we're going to do it pro bono and stuff like that. That is super, super, super like important to to throw in there because otherwise it's like you completely lose interest. It's It's interesting you bring that up, Rich, because then on the opposite end of the spectrum, Harvey is getting dirt for why a future mm-hmm. potential client uh, could be at risk. And it is an instance where that man has multiple women that he's sleeping with outside of his wife, yep. who is the shareholder. So, you know, balancing of scales, help one woman against a terrible CEO while helping a man who's not faithful in his marriage, make sure he saves yeah, his my, company. My, my biggest gripe with this pilot as a whole is that it's just it's too damn long and yeah. this could have easily been a TV hour. I like on one hand, I understand that Harvey ditching the pro bono casework onto his associate while he meets with a kind of like a, a fixer type who he has an on and off sexual chemistry with to get dirt on another client is important to show that like, you know, he has learning to do and he has growth to do. And you need to see like Harvey falter so that he can redeem himself by the end. But it's also like, it's like one too many plot lines for me. And if we had just kind of tabled all of this bad side of Harvey, I think we could have still gotten to the same point, but 
I don't know. It's not. Yeah. Me. Join us next week while Max and I added out half of this episode of Suits. <laughs> so, but one of the things that I'm noticing is a trend. We've done two USA shows as, uh, or two USA pilots. Both of them were over an hour and 20 minutes. Yep. Um, and that seems to be almost a trend of making these mini TV movies to introduce a pilot or a show concept to your audience. Yeah, which I'm shocked that the TikTok wild. generation caught on to an 82-minute pilot so so favorably. <laughs> so, well, Max, they want I, long-form content, clearly. Max, I just have to call this out. Uh, in trends of Max being horny, there just says on our show notes, examples of this show being incredibly horny, and I need you to explain <laughs> yourself immediately. Well, He's more of a horny watcher. He's like, it, yeah. it's not, he's not forcing the horny into it. He's just like, hey, that's weird. I mean, he's I've like, got back-to-back notes here where I say this Harvey Vanessa scene where he pays for evidence. Everyone is horny. Followed by, God, the blowjob joke when Mike get fitted for his suits. Everyone is horny. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder yeah. if that's just like the, the entourage of it all. I wonder if that's just like that we needed to throw this in there because we're losing the men. I think it's just like early early 10s mainstream yeah. TV. You you have to have someone in lingerie in a scene. You have to do a, like, we're going to test the network sensors blowjob joke in there. Like, you, you, need, you need that kind of sultry appeal because USA's demographic was like 9 o'clock on whatever, a Friday night when they might have aired shows, Thursdays or Fridays, Aided adults, you know, there's that little bit of cable risque because it's not like a basic network channel. They can get away mm -hmm. with a titch more. And I think this is their attempt to push that envelope of somewhere that's a little bit more than CBS, but not quite HBO. Mm -hmm. Sometimes dudes just need to be dudes. And that's uh, very much <laughs> how this was written. Um, I love a show that makes you want to look up the FCC regulations for cable because I've definitely had some FX shows where I'm like, why can they say fuck now? I remember. <laughs> um, so to summarize sort of really quickly some of the things that happened in our pilot, right? Um, Mike, um, Mike quits uh, sort of in this high pressure moment. Harvey calls him out for keeping the weed and then Mike um goes back to his best friend and sort of there's that weird sexual chemistry with the best friend's girlfriend who Mike oh, is yeah, still that, obviously that in love Mike with and Mike and the best friend's girlfriend that, who like kisses him she kisses him on the lips at one point right yeah. in front of him which is really fucking strange um and he basically reveals that hey your boyfriend is a drug dealer i'm sure that comes up in Episode number two. It is truly amazing that they could leave stones unturned in an 82-minute pilot episode. They had time to explain fucking everything. They didn't need to add in the kiss and, like, the romantic uh, connection with the roommate or the roommate's girlfriend. Yeah. It is so, so far beyond weird. So, like, but after that, we, when we realize Mike is fully in, he steals some suits. There's a nice little suit joke. Um... I might count how many times we mentioned the word suit in this episode. Because it's ridiculous. That's the new TikTok. It's it might be too long for TikTok. Um but then we deal with our trial. There is witness tampering, which I actually thought was a very fun little um twist because I wasn't really expecting it, even though I've seen this pilot before, I forgot. Um and we get this idea of sort of seeing Harvey Specter take a turn to be a better man in being involved in this case, mm -hmm. realizing where he came from based off of the 
pushed from Gina Torres's character. And then we, the, the good guy quote unquote wins in the end by yeah. punishing the CEO and getting our, um, our, client their uh their winnings yeah, yeah and kind of a like fun little turnaround it's actually lewis litt's prank on mike that gives harvey the inspiration to solve this case uh lewis tries to intimidate mike by firing an associate in front of his face turns out that he's just a random dude from the mail room who like agrees to be a part of this setup and this fake employee employee plant makes harvey realize that uh, you know, Devlin McGregor, they didn't always switch the samples, but they they switched their their witnesses and they've got a <laughs> fake witness in there. Um, and, and we get our, our hero's resolve at the end. Yeah. Also, like this led me to ask myself, how much illegal shit do lawyers do to try to win cases? Because that was like extremely illegal to like to, to bring an actor in as a fake witness. That's we should insane. ask our lawyer friends how often that happens. That is insane. Uh, Stay on for the uh, for the <laughs> excuse me the Patreon episode where we talk to our lawyer friend and <laughs> he uh, incriminates himself. <laughs> Ben's legal corner. <laughs> oh my god! Um, well, that's really our pilot, and yeah. I'd love to hear from you two. Were there any moments that you loved about this pilot that maybe we didn't discuss in depth? Uh, shout out to uh, Rob Yang from Secession as a drug test urine sample. Tech, uh, he's great as Lawrence Yee in Secession, as well as uh, one of the stars of last year's The Menu. Uh, shout out to uh, Dagmara Dominicic as well for her great role as Nancy. Shout out to Secession High, where and <laughs> Rich. What about uh, you? I I just like really think that you know, for as much as you can like poke fun at the show for being entourage, but in New York and competent, like it is, it really does feel like they tied a lot of loose ends together that made it more compelling. Like every single action that every character does like really coincides with their wants. And like, it, it really, it was, it just like was so clear for such a convoluted script and long script that like no one really acts out of character. It is like, you're, you're staying in there, they're making the right decisions. And then, you know, the things that unfold are, are are still like surprising and clever. It's it is like a nice show in that way. I I do really enjoy the the screenwriting for it. Yeah, and for myself, um I think this is a perfectly fine pilot for USA, right? Like we're we're talking about the time where USA Network and Max referenced this in the history where USA Network was sort of like hitting their stride in what types of shows they were doing. And this this fits in the formula uh, very much like this and white collar. I sort of see as two shows you could very easily confuse for each other, uh, based off of who's on the poster for the show. Uh, and which USA, white guy in a suit you're looking at? Yeah, USA be Eden. Um, <laughs> but as far as you know, I'm really excited for this because when you two have nothing great to say about things that we love about a pilot. I know there's usually something that's on your mind for wait a minute moments. So I'd like to unleash the two of you as far as what are wait a minute moments that you had after watching this pilot? I mean, the runtime's absolutely insane. There's a yeah. point after like the first court hearing goes well, where they're literally doing the like wrap it up reconciliation conversation in Rachel's office after he goes through all the paperwork and finds the data. And I'm like, 
this feels like we're getting to the end point. Um, my real wait a minute moment, though, is a line when Mike and Trevor are having an argument in the apartment. And Trevor says, you know I don't want to live in a world where we're not tight. And Mike says, then kill yourself. Yeah, that was insane. That was so nuts. <laughs> that is... That is the what? most 2011 comeback that I can think of. It is absolutely Man. insane to hear that. Um, uh, for 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 Jed Z, uh, he was telling him to uh, unalive himself. Oh <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> well, thank you for that. I, I didn't really uh, in my sensitive ears. Rich, um, what about you? <laughs> uh, I got two things. Um, if you're going to name your first character Harvey Specter, don't name your second character Mike Ross. Come up with something better. <laughs> It's what a shit what a shitty name for a second protagonist. That is like it's like <laughs> you gave someone like the perfect like James Bond villain name and then the next person's going to be like the guy who plays third base for the Kansas City Royals like yeah, what the fuck is that? You came as close as you could to not naming oh. him Harvey Birdman attorney at law. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Oh god. I would like to my wait a minute moment is an apology to the actress Chloe Brooks. And you might be saying, who is Chloe Brooks? That's the actress who played Lisa, who had to not eat mm. for probably 10 days and then say some of the dialogue that she had to say in this pilot, including, well, you could eat breakfast off of my stomach, which is just <laughs> like, what the fuck? Like, I know, I know. Being and a Harvey's work- an oatmeal, man. Yeah. Hey, yeah. <laughs> What is the grossest oh, breakfast you can eat off of someone's stomach? Please leave it in the comments below. Oh, sunny side up eggs. Oh, God. Yogurt parfait. Beef hash. Um, oh, God. Oh okay, let's let's do go the harder challenge. What's an okay food to eat off of someone's... What's an okay pancakes. breakfast food? It's pancakes or waffles. They're very solid. Yeah, but um, syrupless. The no in syrup. the wrapper. Yes. <laughs> But, like, I know it's hard being an actor or actress in Hollywood and, like, getting a role is super an exciting thing. But making it even worse by being like, oh, yeah, don't eat. You have to say this shit for the dudes. And then, like, yeah, that's really unappealing. And I felt genuinely terrible for this human being. So, you know what? I hope they didn't make you film a scene where someone had to eat breakfast off of your stomach because I didn't want to see it. Yeah, um, that, that one's on the cutting room floor. That was a truly upsetting one. That's the only scene they cut. Yeah, the, the only one. It was it was too runny of an egg. It was seven um, minutes long, though. Um. So, but yeah, that uh, we do have oh, one seven more minute question. egg. It was hard boiled. Oh god. Um. We do have one more question, and it is our in-flight question. And very simply, our in-flight question is: We get to see Mike Ross be a savant when it comes to the LSAT. What's a test that you could ace for pay? Um, And I will kick us off. I think that I could ace the presidential fitness test for fifth graders. (laughs) I think that I would absolutely dominate that. Um, And you know what? Touch your toes right now. I want to see it. Touch your toes. I can do it. It's not going to be pretty, but I got it. Jeff, absolutely just like like leaving these kids in tears with this flexed arm hang time. So, like, fun fact, when we had the presidential fitness test, I passed it in the fourth grade and not in the fifth grade. And, like, the, t- the gym teacher, like, gave me a disapproving look in the fifth grade. And she was just like, 
guess he got less fit this year. And it was just like, what a blow to a fifth grader. Oh, man, um, that's your villain origin story. Yeah, yeah that, that's Jeff, where Jeff, I started. I'm kind of learning a lot about you right now. <laughs> that and people laughing at me when I ran a mile for the first time or really where I uh, blew up. Um, Max, I'm curious, what's a test that you could ace for pay? I mean, I'm just trying to think about, you know, book skills that I use every single day of my life. And if anyone wants me to take their driver's test for them, uh, here's an <laughs> L.A. resident who's happy to wait at the DMV on your behalf. Oh, my God. <laughs> Rich, what about you? Uh, mine's in the same vein. I'm going to take the forklift certification test. <laughs> I think that would be... <laughs> Look, oh I got a I got a driving sim at home. If I, if there's a forklift simulation game, I'm throwing it on the PC right now. Oh, Classy boys. <laughs> well, that is our um, that is our in-flight question. We'll talk a little bit more about how to submit those later in the episode. But let's talk a little bit about the history of the we'll show. Talk more about learning how to drive a forklift later on the episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, click click the link below to learn. How to drive a forklift. <laughs> Oh man! This is uh, brought this week's to you episode by, brought to you by OSHA. This week's episode brought to you by Unions for America. Um, <laughs> Season so, two of Farmer Wants a Wife now on Fox. <laughs> so let's talk about the history of the show. Uh, there were nine seasons and 134 episodes, all of which were on USA Network. Um, I would like to Characters mention welcome. that our version of the show showed. As we said, many of the deleted scenes that were not included in the original premiere of the pilot, one of which was Victor Garber shows up for a scene, which is he plays the Hartman of Pearson Hartman, um, which, Mm. you know, they cut it out in the original, but then they showed it when this show was shown abroad in the UK, which is interesting. Uh, There are DVDs and Blu-rays galore for the show, so don't you worry. Um, but what was interesting was being a cable TV show, this show didn't really have gigantic numbers. It started out at about 4.28 million viewers on average in the first season. It only retained 23% of its original audience Whoa. by the eighth season. Um, oh, okay. finally- after eight seasons. All right. That's got to, got to have them on retainer. So there were <laughs> nine different uh, award nominations for this show. Two wins, both of which were Gina Torres. Gina Torres just got all the wins for the show because she's an absolute dominant force. Uh, and there were actually two spinoffs for this show. Um, one is Pearson, based off of Jessica Pearson's character. It lasted for a single season. And then in production right now, there's a development deal with NBC Universal and Universal Television for a new spinoff called Suits Los Angeles. And that is our uh, history. Rich, what is your game of the week? Well, I'll tell you, Jeff, uh, I didn't do a game of the week, and I'll show you why. Instead, I have Rich's surprise of the week. Both of you guys check your emails right now. Oh, no. (laughs) Am I going to have to solve a legal case? Kind of. What I have sent both of you, and I'll, I'll explain it while the email is coming uh, to your to your inbox right now. Uh, you, or I have trained ChatGPT with hours and hours of Suits footage to write us a small Suits script that we are going to do a live cold reading of. Oh, my dear God. <laughs> uh, Jeff, you will play Harvey. 
Maxie will play Mike. I will do stage directions. Let me know when you guys have it. Interior, Harvey's office. Mike opens the door to Harvey's law office with books and legal. Papers are strewn about in a legal manner. God damn, Mike. Can't you see I'm litigating? Mike enters the room in his suits. He slams the folder on Harvey's desk. Well, when you're done scrolling tweet and pretending to help with the Hernandez case, I have some news that just came over the wire. We got new... God damn it. We got new law in the mail. Well, goddamn, <laughs> spill the case. Case is as follows. Remember George Douglas, the owner of Douglas Pharmaceuticals? Well, he just got prescribed a buyout by, by Big Pill Company. George wanted employees safe and... <laughs> George wanted employees safe and keep job, but Big Pill wouldn't swallow that. Goddamn. Mike slams more folders, big ones. It gets worse. We have two weeks to save these employees, or we're going to lose the firm. They will turn <laughs> They will turn building into Jamba juice. Goddamn, not again. I hate that juice. It's just sugar. <laughs> Why did we think it was healthy? It like soylent green. Mike slams even more folders. Just like Soylent. Good reference law, friend. Mike slams <laughs> oh my God. Mike slams folders in a friendly way. Well, well, partner, it's time to put on your suits. Lawsuits. Couldn't goddamn agree more, partner. Rachel enters crying, holding more folders. She drops them. I brought you your files. End scene. <laughs> Thank you so much, ChatGPT. You're going to win all of the next Writers Guild Awards. Yeah, they they are not televised. Remember, um, so oh my God, Rich, thank you so much for that. That that technically was a game of how many times could Harvey Specter say "goddamn" uh, in a single scene? Turns out it's a lot. I'm glad the suits were a character in this. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm really glad too. Some say it's the fifth character. Yeah, lawsuits are a new suit. It's uh, it goes birthday suit, business suit, track leisure suit lawsuit uh wow so, so gentlemen normally i at, go from birthday suit to lawsuit pretty quickly so gentlemen <laughs> oh my god um that as our flight comes to a land um i'd love to hear from both of you one based off of this pilot would you continue watching the show and two it sounds like we're getting more suits um <laughs> so do you think that we should or do you think hey maybe Keep it at the eight seasons that we got, and uh, just have a party with them. I, I, I don't, I don't want to watch more suits. I'm sorry. Like, uh, you know, the biggest salesperson I have for the show, the biggest evangelist for the show, is Peter, and he said that it is very much like a long form nighttime soap opera, and like I can kind of get behind that. But he also says they repeat plot lines a lot, which is like terrifying for a show that has 16 episodes a season and eight seasons. Like that's too many, too many repeats. And I am just so not down for that. I also, I, I don't know what it is about procedurals. I just don't like them. <laughs> I don't, I don't like law and order. I can't get behind SVU to the extent that a lot of my friends can. And I don't know. I'm just like, uh, case closed. Max, what about you? Cheeseburger in paradise. <laughs> yeah, give give me that give me that big, give me that big hunk give me that big hunk of meat, baby. Uh give me the cheeseburger. Give me the gourmet cheeseburger. I I need something that is so simple 
and idiotic at times. There are so many plot points where I just said, wait a minute, and they wouldn't let him do that throughout this pilot that I got to see more. I just have to give it a little bit more time. Um, yeah, it's a, uh, it, it's, it's a hoot. I mean, we're, we're, we're going to get more suits. It's going right. to get made. They're going to keep doing this. The, the entire cast of suits is presented at the golden globes. Like the, we're going to be living in suits 2.0. Yeah. I will for, say that suits Rich. does pass the Dulé Hill test in the sense that Dulé yeah. Hill does become part of the cast of suits. In which case, yeah, I'm kind of more bought in then. You yeah. should jump into those episodes. I don't think you will need to have like watched anything to I'll feel caught up. I'll start season like seven. Um, yeah, no, Max, I'm now only going to have you grade our pilots and whether they should be rebooted in Jimmy Buffett songs. Uh, <laughs> so I'd like you to get prepared in that. Um, as for me, yeah, I found this show just appealing enough to give it a second episode. Um, because... I, I am a fan of a witty, easy to watch. I know what's going to happen. There might be like character development by 1% sort of thing. So I can drop in and maybe I don't understand everything that's happening, but I understand like 99% of what's happening. Um, as far as does this show deserve a reboot? I mean, it's getting one, whether we like it or not, unfortunately, uh, you know, these networks and studios are so flabbergasted by what Gen Z likes that they definitely saw that week in October and were like, holy shit, we got to get more zoo- more suits. suits. Too. Yeah. Uh, suits and zoots. Um, but with that, <laughs> oh, bring it back. Zoot suits. Yeah. yeah maybe. Bring, that's zoots the 80s, are coming that's back. The 80s uh, prequel. <laughs> so with that all being said, our flight has come to a land. Um, and I'd love to let the audience know where they can find you two gentlemen. Max, uh, where can they find you? You can find me at the Chicago Hilton confronting Charles Nichols and Devlin McGregor and on all things social media at Maxwell Singh. Oh, God. You can, you can find me paying $50,000 for maybe $700 worth of weed and also on Instagram at Damn That's Rich. You can find original sketch comedy for Max and myself at Dadwagon Comedy on TikTok. And you can find me at the French Laundry demanding a cheeseburger. Uh, but you can also find me on social media at Run Jeff Run. You can find the TV Pilots License on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and anywhere you find uh, your podcasts and YouTube videos. Uh, please like and subscribe. It really helps us out and helps more folks uh, become frequent flyers for the podcast. We need yep. money for new suits. <laughs> um, if you... Uh, have a question about the show, maybe for our next episode, uh, you can shoot us an email at tvpilotslicense at gmail.com or give us a call at 213-290-1713. Make sure to check out our Instagram where we give sneak previews of some of the episodes that we have coming up. But with the plane landed and the seatbelt sign off, we look forward to flying the bright skies of the TV world with you again soon. And until then, goddamn suits. Suits, 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 suits,